Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we're talking about Book Lover by Emily Henry. I almost forgot the name of it for a minute. And this is probably the easiest title we've had this season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is our three-peat author. So our first season... Actually, no, I don't think we did beat read. We this didn't. I've read Beach Read myself. I read them every summer. So like I read Beach Read two summers ago. I've read People in the Invocation, which we did our podcast on last summer. And now we're doing Book Lover, Woo-hoo. which we did request a copy from the her team. And they basically said we didn't have followers, but we wanted to cover it anyway because we knew it was going <laughs> to be hit this season. And I wanted to read it. Um, so... I, I was so disappointed when they just didn't respond. They were like, how many followers do you have? And we told them and they just didn't respond. <laughs> it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> we, were, we were getting too big for our britches there. <laughs> we thought we were, like, doing so well. Um, no, we got, we got a lot of books this season that we're so appreciative of. Um, and this one, we just, maybe next year we'll get an Emily Henry book, but we didn't quite make it yet. Not there yet. <laughs> no, I, this was good though. Um, I actually, so halfway through this book, so I, so first of all, I listened to it on audio and like halfway through, I kind of thought it was wrapping up and done. And then I looked out at the percentage and I was only at like 46%. So I enjoyed it, but it, it felt a little long. Yeah, I I kind of forget what happens now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, synopsis. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this is freaking long, but basically there's this girl named Nora who's got to stick up her butt, and there's a guy named Charlie who's got to stick up his butt, and it says, <laughs> if Nora knows that she's not an ideal heroine, Charlie knows he's nobody's hero, but as they are thrown together again and again in a series of coincidences no editor worth their salt would allow, what they discover might just unravel the carefully crafted stories they've written about themselves. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. She's ma- she's basically making fun of rom-coms, even though all she writes is rom-coms. <laughs> yes, but I feel like she also writes how she appreciates them. Yeah. I feel like all, ro- all romance readers understand that, like, it's comical rom-coms because there's always this happy ending, and we all know life isn't that way. So I feel like we always joke at rom-coms. Like, we make fun of Hallmark movies, but, like, books are basically just, like, Hallmark movies, all of them. Um, so I, I did like it. I like the the references to, like, just loving books. Mm-hmm. I did real like, this book really rarely took place in New York City. It was, like, probably about, what, like, 80% took place in North Carolina or South Carolina, the Carolinas. But it made you love New York so much. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. It was so it was making fun of not really making fun of, but kind of like poking fun at the whole small town rom-com vibe where the big scary New Yorker leaves their town and then they fall in love with the small bakery person and like they end up moving there and realize the delights of a small town. And this one, I was glad she wrote it this way. And obviously she purposely did it this way. Her whole point was your life doesn't have to mirror the rom-com. You can be a New York city person and love the city and want your career in the city and still be able to find love. Um, so I liked that because it did talk about how much Nora loved New York city 
and it you know made us feel good since we both love New York City. No, it definitely made me. And I I was about it like walking home yesterday, and I was like, I really can't name like like yeah, like it's expensive, but like there's nothing that would like drive me out right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very content in New York City. I do like Nora. Um, I I do like how like Charlie saw her for who she was. Like I don't know. I feel like he got to like he had like extra vision with her. But I really like them. I really like their banter. I feel like it, like, I don't, I just like the way they fell in love. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like insta love. It wasn't like this far fetched story. Like it was very realistic of like, oh, like it kind of felt like he was pining for years. Mm. And it felt like they were cut from the same cloth. Yeah. I, their banter was top notch for me, top tier. I also just love like enemies to lovers. And I don't know. I mean, they weren't, I mean, they were kind of enemies like nemesis, 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 whatever. I don't, English is failing me. I, I just love that trope. I think, I don't know, like Charlie to me was weird a little bit because he would say things in a way that I would think he's like, teasing grinning at her and she'd be like there was no smile he was deadpan and I was like so is he just like flirting without smiling like that's a little weird but um you know I kind of envisioned him a little bit awkward but yeah he really saw her he got her and I liked how he got along with her family even after she went back to New York so big fan of Charlie and Nora uh I think I think they're gonna make it I, she reminds me of Nessa in the sense that she's so cold because she feels so much. Mm. And I love when that's highlighted because that's something that I do. (laughs) Most people think I'm very cold when really I just, I feel too much. So I do like that aspect of her. I kind of hated her sister. Did you? I don't really have any feelings about the sister. (laughs) I thought she would, I mean... and it wasn't until the end that I like I didn't hate her but like most of the book I was like wow like Libby's so annoying like she expects so much from Nora like all this stuff like she's using her like I felt like she was really carrying Libby through like life and like Mm -hmm. making her go on these weird dates and like I don't know like whenever Libby forced her to go on that date with that awful guy I was like just leave her alone like she doesn't need to do this like I don't know. And like when she was like basically like pushing her away and all Nora wanted to do is like be there for her. Like I kind of was like, you suck Libby. Yeah. So I didn't hate Libby until, and I didn't hate Libby, but something that is my big takeaway from this book, which probably isn't the takeaway you're supposed to have, but this is my takeaway is that you can look out for someone and take care of them and sacrifice your entire life for them. And at the end of the day, they're going to keep doing whatever they want to do. And they're not going to give two shits about you. So maybe be selfish and pursue your own dreams because Nora literally gave up so much for Libby. And then I thought their fight was a little stupid the way Nora broke down in tears and they were like so upset. But then when I thought about it, I was like, Nora gave up a dream job editing like she never pursued anything risky because she had to be the stable one she had to take care of Libby and then like she's always there for Libby she's part of Libby's life and then Libby sprung this on her 
was like, oh, by the way, a month ago, we decided to buy a house. We're hoping you're going to move your life here and follow us. Like, um, Nora's followed you everywhere. And like, you could do something nice for her too. Like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's not worth sacrificing for people. <laughs> and it kind of sounded like, like Nora was like fitting the bill for this like whole trip too. Mm. So it's like, also, by the way, like you... <laughs> Also, why is she keep on popping out kids if she has no money? I know that, and her acting like sharing a bathroom, sharing one bathroom in New York City. I'm like, okay, well, then maybe you need to get a job, Libby. Like, maybe if you want a better apartment, get a better job. Stop popping the kids out and earn a dollar here or there. Jeez, <laughs> we're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I did hate Libby. <laughs> irked me I just felt like she was a user and like what her big scam to win Nora Nora over to this like town was to force her to go on shitty dates with people I know I thought it was pretty bad too that she was like dissing and dogging on Charlie so much because like it was pretty clear Nora had a thing with Charlie and kind of liked him and Libby was just like no no you can't be with him he's he's from New York you can't be with him and I was like Libby if your sister's happy would you shut the f- up <laughs> yeah like was the beginning of the trip like she like saying oh like you're never serious with a guy like you need to be with someone all this stuff also I feel like I would feel like she was third wheeling this whole family all the time like I would want my sister to meet someone so she's not third wheeling my children all the time and the one guy that like Nora's interested in, she's like oh no like, <laughs> he doesn't count beggars can't be choosers <laughs> yeah so maybe I didn't love Libby I mean I didn't hate her I do think though like you know Nora sacrificed a lot for her and maybe Libby was a little ungrateful yeah I just feel like she's a whole lot of grateful I guess maybe she redeemed herself a little bit when taking over the shop but like she kind of was doing that for herself anyway I know I feel like Libby wanted to be the small town girl like the the rom-com hero heroine and like that was her goal from the start. Like, I know her goal was to make Nora fall in love with the town, but I'm like, you wanted to save that business and take it over and like live out your little fantasy. Also, she really knew her sister as well as like Nora knows Libby. She would know that Nora would never fall in love with the small town. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that's, that's the thing. Like, that's why when you said Charlie knew Nora so well, like he knew her through emailing back and forth and then when they started working together versus Libby spent her whole life with Nora and I feel like Charlie knew her better so like I just I don't know if Libby wasn't aware or just didn't care but I'm definitely getting selfish youngest sibling vibes from her also what would have Nora done like Libby didn't have a job Libby could have done nothing like her husband was supporting her she could have been a stay-at-home mom what would have Nora done in this little town actually I guess she would have run the coffee shop I don't know <laughs> like, is she gonna live in a little hut because she's gonna support someone in a damn coffee shop uh, salary yeah I don't know Libby wasn't thinking long term or whatever I'm glad Nora went back to New York because I was worried in the last like 10% of the book. I was like, how is Emily Henry going to wrap this up? Because Charlie has to stay in this small town. Like he can't abandon his family, but Nora obviously has to go back to New York. And I kept thinking like, oh, is she just going to have Nora sacrifice like her career and be like, no, I realized I love Charlie all along, which would have been fine, but would have 
you know, been, yeah, the girl sacrificing. And so I was glad that it ended up being like his family was like, no, Charlie, get out. Go after that girl. Even he was a shell of himself in that town. Yeah. So it was, it was best for both of them to leave. Um, I do hope they got his like rent subsidized apartment. I wish they would have said that in the freaking epilogue. Oh, and she said that she wishes the epilogue was longer, which I, those who listen to the podcast for the past what, almost two years now, no, I, I love an epilogue. I am a slut for an epilogue <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, and Marissa usually does not like epilogues. She doesn't like happy endings. <laughs> And it's true. You wanted a longer epilogue. I did. I definitely wanted a longer epilogue. I felt like I, when it when the thing was like epilogue, I was like, oh, thank goodness. And then it was so vague and ambig- ambiguous. It was like, oh, this party could be for these people or it could be for these people. But oh, Nora's just going to have to turn the next page. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> like, please tell us what's on the next page. I do like how each of her romances are A, really good, and B, don't, I love when, I love when stories interact couples, but I also like an author to be different, like, if an author takes their whole claim on this one world that they built with the same characters, just kind of, like, pairing them off with new people, it's kind of their only portfolio, and it kind of shows, like, oh, like, are they versatile, like, can they write more, she kind of has written stories in different parts of the country with different types of main girls and I like that a lot yeah and like, actually I think all of the books that she's written the female has like stayed true to her job and the boys have compromised yeah she's a she's a big uh she's a big I think uh feminist <laughs> got the word for a minute <laughs> I, was like, I was thinking female I was like well yes Emily Henry's probably a female but that's not the word um I do think Beach Breed is still my favorite I did read that one in like an entire day like I just sat and finished the whole book Mm. that one was more like angsty like I was like feeling it off the page like I wanted to just like have them jump each other I didn't really feel that because I feel like this one had a lot of emotion deep down yeah I didn't I didn't feel like a jump your bones kind of book with this one I thought Nora and Charlie were just like kind of too sophisticated for that in a way like they are so logical they have their lists and their plans and like I don't know there's something kind of fun about a cute logical nerdy couple in bed (laughs) I got a checklist (laughs) They gotta check off the ties in bed. They'll give each other reviews at the end. <laughs> Solid feedback. <laughs> Upwards oh. and downwards feedback. <laughs> I die. <laughs> I die. Big fan of corporate sex. <laughs> I hope HR doesn't hear that. <laughs> I also love that Nora doesn't own uh, non heels. That was very you. That that was very you. Literally, the line at the end when she goes, she's asking him if he could love her, even though she wears shoes that aren't sensible. And he's like, "It's always sensible to look hot." <laughs> I was like, "That's Kayla." <laughs> I actually have yet to wear flats to my new job. Really? 
I wear heels uh, to work every day. I hate wearing sneakers and changing. I don't know why. It's like a pet peeve of mine. I just feel like I feel like walking in New York City is like a fashion show sometimes. Like I have the face on, like I'm not talking to anybody and I want to look the part. And I just feel like if you're wearing a dress and a pair of gym sneakers, you just look like you're, I don't know, you look like a, a mom who works. I don't know. You just look like a soccer mom, maybe who just like left work or something. I don't know. I don't like the look. Dress, so. dress plus tennis shoes equal mom who works. <laughs> and I don't look like that. I'm 25. I want to look like I'm, you know, too cool for school. So I, I, I wear small heels. I mean, they're like this, like the heels that are not big, but, um, and they're comfortable, but I also walk to like the subway and back, but, um, yeah, but still walking on the concrete in heels is very hard. Um, like, like I feel like my feet always get so much more sore and more blisters. Like anytime I had to walk to lunch in heels, I was like, oh gosh, this is painful. You got to wear the right heels. So I wear block heels. So you don't really, you feel the stability. You don't worry about any cracks. Mm. Um, and you just don't go that high. Um, I don't really like wear skinny heels in the street because I do feel like you risk getting caught in the grids. Or you get caught in like a crack or something, but <laughs> it's an art which type of shoes you wear. Gotta look hot. Um, yeah. So one of the discussion questions at the back of the book actually is very us. Uh, it asks about um, how Nora reads the last page of the book first, and Libby never does that. And so it asks what type of reader we are. I'm very Nora-esque. I love to go to the last page of the book. I do occasionally do that if I'm feeling extra anxious about a story. Like with House of Sky and Breath, I did Mm -hmm. read the epilogue after I got about 300 pages in. And I was like very concerned of the direction that that story was going. I was like, okay, I need to see who who's going to be okay. So I read the last chapter. So um. And I also look on wiki. So like, I guess fantasies are different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on my mood. It depends on if I don't feel like being anxious. Like, yeah, no, I don't usually read the full last chapter. That's a pretty big uh, commitment. I just go for like the last couple lines of the book. And then if it sparks my interest, I'll read more. But the first thing I did when Crescent City 2 arrived, literally, I ripped open the box and I turned to that last page and it said, and then rose the Fender Air. And I was like, who's the Fender Air? Didn't have any idea, but I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I, if I'm going to read the last, it's going to be like a whole damn chapter or it's not going to be anything at all. Um, so I guess I'm not like Libby. And I also do, t- I, sometimes I'll skip a synopsis, but most of the time I'll, I'll get the gist most of them synopsis yeah. don't give out anything it's helpful no I agree like that Darren Fisher book we read where it didn't mention a cult one time and then the book was about cults I think I'm scarred from cults <laughs> actually really I, I really there we, we went on for like an hour last time but I hate cults and that's where we're gonna end it Nothing really happened in this book. I mean, like things happen, I guess. Okay. So here's the thing. I guess this is why I thought it could be cut in half is because they go to this small town and she's clearly starts falling in love with Charlie. And then they start editing things together. And then they're like clearly into each other. And I was like, okay, rom-com boom, finish They're make something bad happen and then let them get back together. 
And then it went off on this whole weird thing where Libby was seeking out a divorce attorney and like this like weird other plot, which was necessary to the story in the sense that like if you wanted to get the emotional side of everything. But I'm just used to rom-coms being a little more fluffy, less emotional. So it was like it was like a rom-com, but with substance, kind of. I do feel like rom-coms are going in that direction mm. of putting actual emotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just heat and passion. What? So I, I was at the wedding this weekend. I brought my book most places because I didn't really know it was my family's wedding. So I didn't really know a lot of people. And I was like, I either talk to old people or read. So I wrote a book with me and it's like the second book in the off campus series. So it's like this, like, it's like a hockey romance story mm-hmm. so you'd be like oh what are you reading and I didn't want to say something I didn't want to tell people what I was reading although I was embarrassed I feel like non-readers don't get yeah like fluff pieces and I was like well I just read this really like 800 page like really like emotional book and I just need something to like cleanse the palate mm-hmm. and I I do need that like I I feel like I get almost in like after especially books like House of Skybreath I kind of get in a reading slump because you're just like digesting this like 800 page journey you just lived through which is like literally war mm-hmm. um so I have been reading this like fluffy like hockey romance that probably has like no true emotions in it yeah um, but I do feel like a lot of these rom-coms like the one we read in the beginning season um part of your world was also borderline like real emotions and like real issues on top of this love story so it's really nice mm-hmm but also, yeah, like, I mean, they're, they're just not as easy to read. Yeah, it was, it was definitely heavier than I was expecting because I'm, I guess I'm just used to more fluffy rom-coms. Like I think back to the hating game, which was one of my favorites. There was no substance to that book. That <laughs> Absolutely book makes sense. <laughs> but it was like, so like, I literally read that book, I think in a day, like I just laid in my bed in New York and just laid there all Saturday and read it. And I just remembered, like, it was super easy. The banter was fun. And there was nothing hard to digest. I didn't have to think about my life. I didn't have to take away a message from it. Whereas this book, I'm like, wow, it sucks to be Nora and, like, sacrifice your whole life for your sister. And she's just so ungrateful and and doesn't give two shits about her. Like, I'm mad about it. No, I, I that's this is the kind of book that, like, kind of sticks with me for a little bit longer, like, Mm-hmm. When I'm just like sitting pondering my life, I like go back to that that book and think about it. That and like in five years, I think about it actually a lot. But um, you say that all the time. <laughs> I, because well, I think it's only because we're at this time where we think where we'll be in five years, and like we just don't know the answer. Yeah, and it kind of makes you think of like oh, the life that you plan out for yourself can be something completely different in the end. Like you don't really know what's going to happen in five years. So I think about that book a lot because of the stage of life that I'm in. Um, well, and it literally happened to us with COVID. Like the yeah, life, the life also- we planned out got completely disrupted. Yeah, I was saying that today. I was like, I probably wouldn't have left my job as I did if we were in the office, like- Mm-hmm. We could have been dating people by now, Marissa. Oh, <laughs> just my- kidding. I'm not wishing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd date someone if there was someone. That's the thing. Like, 
COVID really like, not that I was going to meet someone before COVID, but then we all were work from home and then it became like, okay, now you actually have to try if you want to meet someone. And I'm like, I'm just not someone who tries. <laughs> I'm good. In five years was where we were at. You're telling me your love of in five years, not your love, but just that it makes you think. No, I, I was thinking back to if I actually want to be in a relationship or not. That's a tough question. I'm I kind of lean towards no. <laughs> Oh, me too. I was just going to say that I learned how to use a drill and like find studs in the wall and all that stuff. And not, I was like, well, shoot, if I can be the man of the house, do I even need a man in the house? There's this quote I saw on Instagram. And it was like, your standards are so high because you can give yourself everything you're asking. And I really feel that because I really I'm like I'm self-sufficient. Like I don't need anything from anybody. So I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like occasionally you have those nights where you're like a little lonely and you're like, man, I wish someone was here to hold me. But it's like if you have that even once a month, 12 times a year and the other 340 days, you're good. Like pick up a book. They're just (laughs) as cuddly. (laughs) Pick up a book. You'll definitely find a man in there. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I like I don't know. Oh, when did I? Oh. I downloaded Hinge on like Monday nights, you know, like it was one of those nights where you're like, oh, let me download Hinge. And then um, I woke up Tuesday morning and I was like, what was I thinking? And I deleted it immediately. Of course. <laughs> I feel like I definitely go through those stages and then it's like, it's fun the first night. And then the next day you're like, uh, it's too much work. I'm done. I'm good. I got my fill. <laughs> I don't actually want to go on dates. <laughs> Like I like my nights where I can go home after work and I can read a book or like do my chores or errands and do whatever I want. Do my chores. I'd rather do my chores than go on a date. (laughs) Uh, We're never going to meet anybody, are we, Marissa? No, absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, when you would rather spend your weekends literally cleaning, like I tell my mom, I can't wait for the weekend so I can clean. I was like, that's how I know I'm going to die alone. We'll just, we'll just live in a house together. It's fine. We got to get a bookstore going. Oh gosh. Well, Nora's like what? She's has to be in her late twenties or thirties, early thirties. Yeah. She was, oh, actually, I don't know why I thought she was 28. I don't think it said that anywhere, but I was thinking late twenties, early thirties. So she's late in her life, like late in her twenties, like late in her life. (laughs) Her life's almost over. She's come to the end of her life. Like there's time. Like, I mean, yeah. It's hard because like we both went to college in the South. Like we're surrounded by all these people getting married left and right. Mm-hmm. And you have to like I always remind myself I have to stop comparing myself to others because everyone's on their own journey. And when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, and for now I'm gonna focus on my damn self and I'm gonna read some books. And, and you- I might occasionally leave my house. <laughs> well, and I was thinking you're going to your dance classes now, what, like once or twice a week? Maybe yeah. Mr. Mr. Straight Dancer walks into Zumba one day. <laughs> it is hip hop Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> like booty popping the whole time. She's like, okay, now we're going to twerk. <laughs> I was like, I can't, my butt does not do that. <laughs> I was supposed to go tomorrow night and I was excited for it. And then I got called freaking jury duty. I'm so uh, pissed about this. You might be out before. I didn't want to 
because if it, you have to cancel 12 hours before you get charged yeah. so I'm like let me just cancel now and that sucks i'll go next week but it's okay it's fine Maybe I'll get a massage tomorrow after jury duty. Ooh, wow. See, that's a very Nora-esque, like, <laughs> New York City single woman with a steady income thing to do. Reward myself for my civil service of duty. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, I feel like so many of the rom-com books we read are so like female career focused these days, which I love. It like makes me feel so powerful, but it does like, it does make me frustrated when they always still get the guy. Cause I'm like, I know a lot of career driven women and we don't have the guy right now. I am annoyed at books. They always paint accountants to be as boring as paper. <laughs> Libby's husband, Laura's like, he is so boring, but he's so nice. He's an accountant. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I feel like they don't really know anything that goes on in accounting. Like when you say accounting's a cult, I feel like we are, and no one knows what goes on inside our cult walls. <laughs> no, it's a cult. It's a cult. You didn't know it's a cult. Everyone's very like, like you go to a, a 915 tax happy hour, like you're going to rage, but you would never expect a rage out of accountants. <laughs> No, they rage hard. Like the last 950 hour I went to, I ended up on my bathroom floor and I showered in my clothes on. <laughs> she, had, was- she only had one drink. <laughs> and that was an accounting a happy hour. So no, we are our own breed of people and we really only, well, half of the accounting people just date each other. So I actually feel like this whole book thing where they date accountants is like not true because... People can't seem to date anybody but accountants nowadays. I mean, accountants have to date accountants because we're always working and doing accounting things. So it's like, if you don't date an accountant, who who are you going to date? There's no one else. We have to breed within our own pool. I hate that. (laughs) But no, that is, that is a hard, that is a hard uh, stereotype. I don't mind it though. I think it's always funny when they describe them as like awkward and boring. Cause I'm like, ah, my people. I have never read one accounting romance book. Oh, there's one. Oh, it might not be accounting though. I was thinking it was accounting cause it was called like the cheat sheet or something. And it looks oh. like Excel, they, but I think they need to make one based off that tagline. Um, uh, what, what is it? A freak in the sheets? <laughs> um, lady in the streets and a freak in the spreadsheets. Yeah. I think that there should be a rom-com based off accountants and Excel. I, I mean, I'd support it. I'd support it. <laughs> um, maybe we just have to write it. You know, if you can't find the story you want to read, you just have to write it yourself. That's true that's a good idea we'll write a accounting romance murder mystery (laughs) the problem is most accountants I don't feel like most accountants like read steamy rom-coms and I'd want this to be a steamy rom-com oh I think we have to I think they you underestimate I think you're stereotyping accountants I think I am you're right um 
I think so too. I think we should really see me rom com, and then we turn it, and then we just like kill the main person off, and then I mean, it becomes a murder mystery. I think it could be really good, and then the accountant not so boring now when he chops up the women in his basement, is he? Well, it it was linked to tax fraud. Ooh, I like it. I love it's tax a great fraud. plot. Let Amy. us know if you have any other ideas. We're all ears. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, back to this book. <laughs> yeah, no. Um that was that was a good stereotype. So, what moral of the story? Libby's kind of spoiled. All accountants are boring. Charlie Lastra's a little awkward and go New York and female career people. And Nora's a bad bitch. She is a, she is a bad bitch. I like Nora honestly. I I really identify with characters that are like her like like Nesta like Nora that are perceived as like these icy stony people and it's like they have to be perceived that way because the alternative is they're gonna like like be a puddle of tears or something like she had to deal with so much she dealt with her mom's death and then taking care of Libby she dropped out of college to take care of her sister she gave up her dreams her boyfriend broke up with her like she went through some things and now she's this bad bitch and you know what she's gonna keep being a bad bitch yeah no I I do like books like this I do also resonate with like just yeah female characters like her a lot we actually forgot to mention the whole her author wrote a book about her that described oh. her as a shark. Nadine Winters. <laughs> I like that. I don't know what my reaction would have been, but I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't mind being called a shark. Yeah, I like, yeah, I am. Fuck it. I, but you know what? You know why you wouldn't mind being called a shark? Because we've been referred to as the cry corner. So <laughs> We're so far from being a shark. <laughs> I cried once. It was one time. Literally, I have a problem. And like anytime something even remotely emotional happens on TV, I begin sobbing, shaking. And like my parents will be in the other room or nearby. And I'll be like, this isn't, this isn't like, you don't feel this here. And they'll be like, no like he got a puppy why are you crying <laughs> I think you cried at my house once when we're watching like Harry Potter <laughs> a literal movie you've seen like 20 times <laughs> it's true I do I cry a lot it depends on mood I mean sometimes like like parent trap makes makes me cry but that you can tell me that's not sad like this girl is literally taken away from her mother she's on this plane like she cuts her hair, everything to look like the part for her mother. And she's there wishing that her mother loves her because her mother basically gave her away. You can't tell me that's not freaking sad. I mean, children's sadness doesn't really affect me. Like, I don't know why that movie isn't people don't consider it sadder because it is so sad. Yeah, no, that is kind of sad. Like just being like, I wish, I hope my mom will love me. And then whenever she reveals that she's who she is, she's like, I hope you can love me for me and not think I'm somebody else. And I'm like, this 10-year-old is making me cry. Didn't you also cry at Cheaper by the Dozen? Yeah, because (laughs) the kid felt like he didn't belong. (laughs) (laughs) He felt like he didn't belong and he ran away. Oh, we're such sharks. (laughs) (laughs) That's another stereotype. We should, we could be badass businesswomen and we can have 
we could cry in a movie. Just we be- have to cry in movies because we can't cry in our real lives. <laughs> no, I so there's this quote that I just heard that is so fitting. It says, I like to read sad books. What was it? It was something like, I like to le- read sad books so that I don't have to think about the sadness in my own life. I was like, is that why I cry at everything? Because I want to cry over my life, but that would be too sad. So I'm just going to cry at everything else. <laughs> I can see that for sure. Just don't think about my own life. Okay. Like, so what would you rate this book overall? Overall, I mean, it was good. It was a 4.5 out of 5. I liked it. It was good. What do you give her writing? So I listened to it on audio. So I don't know if I can fairly judge her writing, but I will say the first opening lines really hooked me. Um, and a hook is important. So I think her writing was good. I give this book a 5 out of 5. I give out fives a little easily, but it was a really good book. Um, and it sticks with me. So when, if, for a book to stick with me with how many books I do read, I feel like it means something. So I'm giving it a five out of five. And I think her writing is really good. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It was mostly, it was only told in Nora's point of view, right? Yeah. I forgot how a beach read was told in, but um, yeah, I really like, I like her take on New York City. I want to know if she's like, does she live in New York City? Because she's very insightful. She named the Strand, Barnes and Noble on Fifth, and a couple other like bookstores. And I was like, "Have you have you been there?" I, I got excited because I was like, "I've been there." A lot of authors write about New York, and they never really been been or lived in. So, um, no, a shout out to her for being pretty pretty damn specific on something. So, I will say the one thing I hate about this book is the cover because it looks like they're sitting on like cheeseburgers or something and I don't particularly like that it does look like they're passing along like ketchup and mustard too I know they're it's literally like some weird diner cheeseburger fetish I did think it was like relating on food and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't but so. let's wrap this up so thank you for listening um this is Kayla and Marissa and make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Book Talks Podcast. Have a good night.